Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hi, how you doing? Let's have a disclaimer. Anybody listening to our podcast must be just itching for boring conversation. Oh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, um, this week's conversation we're talking and if about. We didn't, if we didn't entertain you, that's not our problem. It's yours. Exactly. Just blame, blame somebody else. Uh, kick the can. <laughs> Uh, so we, we were talking earlier uh, today about situations where we almost got arrested or got into trouble when we were teenagers. Or we had that, let's put it this way, we, there was the potential was there that if we would have been caught by the cops for sure, we would have been arrested. <laughs> but we had the good luck of not being caught. So you were saying a while ago about a time that you had a friend that was trying to use you as a mule to transfer drugs somewhere? Uh, I was in high school and I had a, I had a friend who um, was, in a, was in a foreign country, you know, American guy who I was friends with and he was, um, yeah, he was in a foreign country for a while. And he tells me, he sent, this is when marijuana was a felony. And he tells me he's sending me a package of marijuana and to be expecting it and just keep it at my house until he gets back to the States and picks it up and not to tell my parents. So I had it on my mind for quite, I mean, I, I, I was walking around the entire day, hemming and hawing, thinking it over in my mind. And I finally realized, no, I've got to tell my parents. I have, I, I cannot do this. I was always the type of kid there, you know, there were certain things I just, I had a conscience and there were certain things that I just knew my parents really should know about. So I told my parents and they, they were very calm about it. They were very good. They thanked me for telling them, assured me that I had done the right thing. And it was good that they, that they knew about this. Well, young Kipper, as we're about to break our fast and your aunts remember this very well. There's a knock at our door and it's the FBI. And what surprised me was, I mean, if I were an FBI agent handling um, a possible like marijuana distribution, I would think teenagers, like me, my sisters, no, they totally ignored us. Instead, they spoke to our parents. And they said evidently it was a sniffer dog that had intercepted the package. And um, my, my parents just, um, you know, they were, they were very good. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to get this young guy into trouble. They were good. They're going to wait for him. When he came back from the States, they're going to talk to him themselves and really like, give it to him and say, don't you ever do this thing or whatever. But they were not the type of people that wanted to get anybody into trouble, especially a young person. Because, you know, like I said, in those days, like to be caught with marijuana in those days, even a little bit, whatever, could land you in jail for, would you believe, 15 years? Kid you oh. not. It was very serious. Yeah, very serious in those days. So um, they said they knew nothing about it. And the agents um, took their word for it and said, fine, you just you just left. You know, that was it. That was the end of it. And of course, when the guy came back, of course, they, they got on the phone, they just yelled, like, of course, they yelled at him, you know, don't ever do this again. And he didn't, believe me, he didn't. Like I say, it was one of these, like, crazy, kids do crazy things, and they realized this was, this was not a bad guy. This was a guy who came from a decent house, was, you know, decent, 
guy, except that he thought he could make an easy buck. And, um, you know, it wasn't anybody that really had any criminal history. And so they, that's why they, you know, they said to him, listen, did you ever do this? And he didn't. He, um, he never did, never tried to pull anything like that again. But then there was the incident when, uh, remember when I was seven years old with the movie theater? Oh, yeah. We talked about that uh, in a previous <laughs> podcast. Yeah, that was that. Yeah. Of course, I, I ran out of the movie theater before they could catch me. <laughs> yeah. And, I... um, yeah, I can't think, I'm trying to think of anything else that could have landed. Um, me and the, and the pokey. Uh, well, I remember being see. a kid. I remember being a kid. And... Oh, yeah. One more incident. One more. Oh, sure. I was 14 years old and I was dating an 18 year old guy. Okay. And my parents were, were shopping. They were out of the house. He comes one Friday night and he says to me, Hey, he says, let's, let's go. He says, let's go bar hopping in Washington. I said, Okay, great idea. And he, I said, But I've got to leave a note for my parents. He says, I'll leave a note. And he writes, he takes a piece of paper and he writes down, dear Mr. and Mrs. Dickman, I am kidnapping your daughter to Washington, love and his name. <laughs> and then oh, left wow. on the kitchen table. <laughs> I, mean, taking, I mean, taking an 18 year old guy, taking a 14 year old girl to Washington, that could, you know, technically across state lines, boy, <laughs> you know, technically he could have really been arrested and charged with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, you can get in some real trouble doing that stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say that I remember, I remember as a, as a kid, I think I was maybe seven or eight. I was at a store with Tati and the rest of the family, and there was this like some kind of maybe Tabasco or barbecue sauce that had a cowboy hat on it, and I and I really wanted the cowboy hat, so I like took it off its off the top put it in my pocket and then as we were driving back home um i showed the cowboy hat i think to my sister i think mushka um and then i think she said something or someone else said something that i stole it he got my tati got so upset he got really pissed off what did he do he slammed on his brakes (laughs) we did we we did he did that we turned around and he made me he made me go up to the, go back to the store and give back the, um, give back the uh, uh, little cowboy hat to the lady up front. Very um, good. So what was her reaction? I don't remember. I was just too embarrassed <laughs> and shaking my boots as an eight-year-old kid. Like, oh, God, oh, no, oh, God. Yeah. Well, I remember one time Mushka, um, when she was, oh, she was little. She was like maybe three, four, four years old, maybe, maybe four. Um, she was in the living room playing with some toys. And I was bringing down some laundry to the to downstairs to the basement laundry room. I brought down the laundry. I was putting on the laundry and hanging up a few things. I couldn't have spent any more than maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes tops down there. I come up and she's in the living room still playing with the toys. I get a phone call. It's from Seven Mile Market. And they said, and the manager says, I think your little girl came in here and stole some candy. Remember, they used to have those big bins of candy. Yes. Years ago, you could shove, shovel into bags and then you would weigh it and, you know, charge uh, yourself. Yeah. I, anyway, I, so, oh, I'm sorry, I, go I was going to say, I used to, there used to be a rule that, like, if it's on the floor, it's good to go. You, you can pick it up <laughs> off the floor, but you can't take it from, from, the, from the box. So as a kid, you support on the floor first and then pick it up. Where, where did you get that? 
I don't know. It's some rule. I think I think I think the older <laughs> siblings told it to me. Like you can't touch it or whatever. Maybe it was my own personal like idea. Like I think this is, makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> well, so anyway, I walked her. I said I said to the I said to the manager. I said, but my daughter's been in this house the whole time. It's impossible. And he said, no, I'm almost sure that was your daughter. She did she reached into one of the bins and took a couple of pieces of candy and ran out of the store. So I walked over to her and I said, Mushka, did you steal some candy? And she put her head down. She put out a hand. She opened up her hand. And there were a couple pieces of candy <laughs> that I ripped from the back. And, but the, the thing was, this she was like three or four. She ran across Seven Mile Lane, which is a major artery, and across the parking lot. I mean, God, I mean, it was, it was a nice, it was a miracle. She wasn't hit by a car. Mm. Honest, mm. honest miracle. Mm. And so I said to her, okay. I said, what you did was wrong. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to do a job around the house. I'm going to pay you. And then you're going to take the money. We're going to go to seven mile market and you're going to pay for the candy. I looked at the two, it was two little pieces probably would be, I, I, felt it was like about 25 cents maybe probably a penny you know yeah, well, a couple yeah. pennies. You, I, I, I remember but, you you going nuts because the, mm. the 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 maryland state fair incident of oh, 1995 no. whatever that was ridiculous that was ridiculous it was what it was it was it was mushki was very excited to go to the maryland state fair and mm -hmm. she opened up the the door and she unfortunately like did a small tiny I told, I, I told her, I said, Nick. I said, don't open the door. Wait, wait. And she was very excited. And yes, right, but Jesus. it was like nothing. It was such, it was, it was, it wasn't even a big deal. They, well, they the people the, themselves said I it was, was a big deal. And you like insisted, insisted that like, oh no, please. And then like you penalized Mushki for something that like you personally wanted to do. It was just like ridiculous. No, no, no. What it was, I felt, I, I always felt that if you kids did damage that I felt very strongly that if any of my children do damage, I should pay. You know, the person should not have to, it, yeah, it's my masochism is also another option. Okay. We're not here to, okay. we're here to enjoy, like... Uh, yeah, uh, well, I felt I did the right thing. Of course you did. Like, you're, you're the perfect mother. You did the right thing, and I agree with you 100%. 100%. Should I put the gun down now? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. You can't touch me. I'm in another state. You can't shoot anybody through the through the cell phone, can you? <laughs> no, you know, Maybe it's virtually. I can do. I can draw. I can. I can. I can. I can maybe um. I download a picture of a gun going off or something. You could do something like that. You could send that through via chat, you know, or you could send a chat saying, "Hey, I'm going to shoot you right now," you know. But that's all you can do. You can't really. That'd be funny, okay. like in the future, what you can do. But I, I was like, <laughs> did your did your parents your parents when they were kids? What kind of trouble did they get into? Oh, I don't, they, they never told me about any real, real trouble they got into. I'm sure they kept that a secret, but there were little things. Um, my mother said that there was a very strict rule in her family. Her parents were um, pogrom survivors and from Europe and um, they were very strict that the girls that she and her sister had to come home immediately Friday afternoon, so that because their mother was working, it was the depression, mm -hmm. and their mother had to work the entire day in a factory. She was she did buttonholes in a, in a um, garment factory. Wow! And they were very strict that the girls had to come home and clean the house for Shabbos. So my mother said my mother went to Western at the time, 
and they used to have Friday afternoon at three o'clock. They would have these dance. They would have these dances where they would, you know, um, have you know the record player playing music and the girls dancing. It was an all girls school. There were no boys there, but the girls would dance with each other. You know what I mean? It was just a it was just a dance. You know, and my mother never got a chance to go there. And one of her friends talked her into, "Oh, come on, you can go. You can come for just a little while, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Come on, you should enjoy yourself a little bit." So my mother said, "Okay," and you know, being a teenager, of course, one. What, you know, you lose track of the time, you're having a good time. And my mother didn't realize that she had really stayed there for, I don't know, like an hour or something like that. And she went home and she told me, uh, boy, that her father, who was a very strict Polish father, uh, beat her with a belt. Classic. Yep. I mean, if he didn't those, beat her, he wouldn't days, love her. In those days, right. <laughs> In those days, that was acceptable. <laughs> didn't didn't Zadie like l run away from home to like New York when he was like thirteen? He was sixteen. No, there were a few things he did when he was a little boy. One time he um he was he was curious as to what was on the other side of Drew Hill Park. So he Drew Hill Park is situated actually in the middle of Baltimore. And a friend of mine and I did that one time when I was in college. We decided to hike the entire way across the park and see you where we wound up. And we started off around, you know, around Drude Hill Avenue, around, you know, Rice's Town Road, Drude Hill Avenue. And we wound up, we couldn't believe it, like all the way around Falls Road where the old Steve Silver Factory used to be. Like, um, what's, is that Hampton, I think? I think that's, I think that's Hampton, if I'm not mistaken. It goes like right across, you know, the city there. So he was curious as to what was on the other side of the park. And he hiked all the way across. This was like, you know, he was um, like, I think, eight years old, 10 years old, something like that. And he got, he got lost, terribly lost. And he went to a policeman crying. And the policeman took him to the station. In those days, when a kid was lost, while they were calling your parents to calm you down, they would treat you to an ice cream. So he was really thrilled the policeman treated him to an ice cream. And, of course, his father came and picked him up, okay? So then he told his younger brother, you know, if you come with me to the park and we get lost, the policeman is going to get you an ice cream. So his brother, who was eight years old, went with them. They hiked across the park, purposely got themselves lost. And so my father went up to a policeman. Hey, I'm lost. The policeman says, okay. I don't know if it was the same policeman or not. But he said, his young, he said he was having a good time. He had an ice cream cone. But he says his younger brother was so upset. He was crying and crying and crying and couldn't eat the ice cream. Poor buddy. So then he tried it the third time. This time, his father came to the police station and beat him <laughs> and, 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 and whipped him on the touch and yelled at him and says, next time you get lost like that, you can stay lost. That's awesome. <laughs> but tell me about, but at like you said, at 16, he left home? At six, well, yeah, he had a very sad home situation. And his father made him quit high school when he was 16 to work with him on the truck. And it was one day where his father was really getting on his case. His father, his father was not, I don't know. I guess, yes, I can't judge his father. Uh, I, I wasn't raised in the Ukraine in the, in, the, in the early 1900s. So I don't know how I would have turned out being raised in that environment. But his father um, was really on his case and yelling at him. It was one of these days where, you know, 
his father was in one of these moods where he could do not, where his son could do nothing right, and how dare he live and breathe? You know oh I mean? wow! So my father got so irritated that as the truck was rounding a corner, he just ju- he was sitting on the back of the truck as it was rounding a corner slowly. He jumped off and just ran and decided he was not going to take it anymore. He hitchhiked all the way to New York, and when he got to New York he met a group of black teenagers and um, they invited him to come live with them. They lived like in this shanty, like this shack. They were all homeless. This was was the depression. These black kids were all homeless and basically just living together in this little shack, trying to do whatever they could to earn money, however they could. Well, these teenagers being black were not able to find jobs, but my father being white was able to find a job giving out news giving out advertisements like hand like bills like he had bill what's that called uh hand advertisements what would yeah, you call just, just advertisements just handing out advertisements yeah Isn't, there's a certain term for them bills something bills hand maybe. bills, bills. Hand, hand bills maybe Is it hand bills something like that a certain term for them and so my father would help them by he would take the little bit of money he earned and he would buy hot dogs for the cheapest thing you could buy so he would buy hot dogs for everybody so at least they could eat so he told one of the black kids there, he says, hey, why don't you come with me and I'll take you to the boss. I'm sure the boss will give you a job too. And this boy said to him, no, he says, don't you understand? He says, they're not going to give me a job. I'm black. And so my, my father, of course, they called themselves in those days Negroes. So my father, you know, said, come on. I, he, my father could not believe that somebody would deny a job to someone just because their skin was black. So my father took this boy to the boss and the boss we said, I, he said to him, I can't give your friend a job because why not? He goes, because because he's a Negro. And my father was furious. And he yelled at the guy. He says, you're nothing but a mean, nasty SOB. You know, he really yelled at the guy. Uh, after that, my father lost his job, too. <laughs> <laughs> but he apologized to this kid. He felt so badly. He says, I can't believe it. He says that they wouldn't give you a job just because your skin is black. Mm. That, that's well did he go back to then he went back to baltimore or he stayed in new well, york what happened was he he managed to find another job se- selling as a newsie he got oh, a job wow. as a newsie selling newspapers and one day he was i don't know where he was someplace downtown in new york and, you know i don't know if it was Times square or something and he's selling newspapers and he hears a voice behind him say hey sonny i'd like to buy a newspaper familiar voice <laughs> turns around there's his father Oh wow! Yeah, his father. Um, his father felt badly and went up to New York and uh, was looking around for him. I think he went to the police, and they said, "Listen, you know, the city is full of teenage boys that you know are looking for jobs and looking to earn money." And so the police suggested to my grandfather that a lot of the boys uh, that come here to New York do get jobs as newsies. And maybe looking like Times Square, like Central Park. Look, they named him some of the main areas of New York where these boys sell newspapers. He says, maybe you can find him in one of these places. Wow. And uh, my grandfather found him. <laughs> Interesting. And, and he didn't get beaten for that or anything, anything like that? No, no, he did not get beaten. I think my grandfather kind of learned his lesson after that. That's very Interesting. But um, so anyway, one of the other things we wanted to discuss tonight was lousy movies, lousy performances. 
Well, I'd love to talk about that, but I think we're actually out of time. Don't we? Okay, so maybe we can do yeah. it for another time then. We'll save that for another time, though. It's a nice hey, idea. By the way, what did, what did you have? You never told me totally all that you've done when that almost got you oh, arrested. We're out of time. We'll have yeah. another story. <laughs> We'll have to figure something out. Oh, well. Didn't you get in some trouble in Israel? Oh, we won't go in there. Yet. Not just yet. But thank you so much for the listeners for listening. We really appreciate it. And hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please like and share and find us on Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you.